Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. The two couples you're going to meet today have both lived not one nightmare, but two. The first was discovering that your child had been murdered, and the second was being put on trial for that murder. My first couple, couple story is a real-life murder mystery, complete with all the twists and turns. We'll try to keep it straight for you today. Here is their story. The tragic story began on September 10th in 1988 when Cynthia and David Dewallaby reported their seven-year-old daughter Jacqueline missing. The couple claimed that Jacqueline was a victim of an intruder who broke in through a basement window and snatched the sleeping child from her bed in the family's home. Four days later, this grisly scene confirmed the family's worst fears when Jacqueline's dead body was found in this nearby field. We're looking for somebody that was brutal enough to murder a beautiful seven-year-old kid. Two months later, Cynthia and David Dwallaby were indicted on murder charges. But when the case came to trial, a judge dropped the charges against Cynthia for lack of evidence. But just two days later, a jury of 12 found David Dewallaby guilty in the murder of his daughter, Jacqueline. Despite protests from friends and neighbors, David was sentenced to 45 years in prison. A year later, Jacqueline's murder investigation took another dramatic turn when an Illinois appeals court overruled David's guilty verdict. After 18 months in prison, David Dewallaby was freed. But four years after her death, the question remained who did kill Jacqueline DeWallaby. And the DeWallaby's ordeal is now the subject of a new book entitled Gone in the Night by David Protest and Rob Wharton. Today marks the first joint interview with the couple. Please welcome David and Cynthia DeWallaby to the show. Um, Cynthia was saying to me, 
during that tape piece that it's still very hard to hear. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard that it happened to us. Uh, it's hard to believe that we survived um, this. And um, uh, what we want now is um, to find Jacqueline's killer. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the, la the last time you saw Jacqueline alive. Well, she was um, in her bed, and she was um, looking through a Christmas wish book. Mm -hmm. um, because earlier that night, um, she had um, Christmas on her mind because she was um, going through her clothes and our, our, our family was over and her, um, her Christmas dress was getting too small on her and so she offered it to her cousin who was younger than her. And, um, and then, then when she went to bed, she asked if she could look through the Christmas wish book. Mm -hmm. and, and so she wasn't... And then, um... Did you tuck her in, or did you tuck her in? No, um, I had gone bowling that night, and by the mm -hmm. time I'd come home, she was in her bed already. Mm -hmm. But that's the last time you saw her, when she went to bed after looking at the Christmas wish book. Last time I saw her was, was I checked on her mm -hmm. uh, later that night, and, and I, last time I saw her was when she was asleep in her bed. So what do you think happened sometime between, you know, during that night of September 9th? Well, it's, it's hard to theorize because, there, you know, um, when we woke up in the morning, Jacqueline was gone. And um, how she was gone, you know, there was one obvious uh, entrance. Um, there was a broken window in our basement. Mm -hmm. And so that, that stuck out as the most obvious point um, of where an intruder came in the house because um, the and window was where was her room broken. in relation to the basement? It was immediately up above the window. Mm -hmm. So the broken window was directly below her bedroom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, there was, um, uh, we had a sliding glass door and we had a back door and, um, uh, and a front door. And, um, but those were never, the back door and the front and the, and the sliding glass door um, were never fingerprinted by the police. Mm -hmm. And so, you awakened in the morning and you discovered that your child is gone. Right. Who discovered it? Well, it started out like a typical Saturday morning. I was woke up by my son, David, who was four at the time, and he insisted that I get him some breakfast, which was cereal, and watch cartoons. And it was like approximately half hour later, maybe 8.30 in the morning, when Cindy had woke up. And we went to wake up Jacqueline, and she was gone. And mm -hmm. at this point, you know, I mean, it's happened through our lives a lot where the children are missing. and. Mm -hmm. Uh, perhaps they're outside, so there was there was concern, but not over, not panicking or anything mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, we had searched the neighborhood for maybe a half hour. We had driven around to any child's house that she might play with. We made phone calls. It was the second time back to the house when we searched the house again that we realized that her comforter was missing, and now the concern turned into a slight panic uh, because we couldn't imagine her taking this huge comforter off a queen-size bed. Out the door with her. She was, uh, you know, she was only seven the years old. The comforter was on the bed, but there were no sheets on the bed, which the, became a contention later on. Was that true, correct? True. Partially, there was no comforter on the bed yeah. either. It was missing. Uh -huh. The comforter was missing, and there were no sheets on the bed. Uh -huh. uh, which uh, the night before, Cindy had washed her sheets, and Jacqueline only wanted her particular sheets, which went along with the theme in her bedroom. I think mm -hmm. Lady Lovely Locks or something mm -hmm. like that, and she wouldn't accept any other sheets. And by the time they were dry and uh, we had company over that night. It was one of those nights where, okay, we, we didn't have time to put it on, and she was in her room, and she fell asleep 
on a mattress pad, okay. which is over the mattress. I only bring it up because it later became one it of did. the yeah points brought up in court. Mm -hmm. And so you realize, when did you panic? When you realize that the comforter is gone? That was panic, yes, because then it, it, it turned into a... Uh, had you noticed the whole, had you noticed no, the, the broken window yet? Not yet, no. Mm -hmm. uh, once the comforter was missing, uh, that is when we made a phone call to um, Cindy's um, relatives on, on her other side, which would be her ex-husband's uh, mm -hmm. mother. Mm -hmm. And the reason we had called her is because uh, it started, you know, the point that she's missing uh, started growing to concern to a point where we thought maybe she was taken. Mm -hmm. it, it slightly, you know, not, again, we weren't overly concerned about it at this point, but we weren't taking any chances. We had called uh, Cindy's uh, mother-in-law, and that was used against us later mm -hmm. uh, in court also. Uh, the fact, why would we call? Well, the reason that we called was... I guess so many years before that, that her ex-husband, after the divorce, had broken into a window in, in a house she lived in, into Jacqueline's room, mm -hmm. and never did take Jacqueline because someone woke up and he had ran off and he was arrested for it. And mm -hmm. so it, it, it concerned us. Um, then after that, maybe 20 minutes later, when we saw the broken window, that's that at that point, we realized that it's a very good possibility that Jacqueline was taken, and that's when we panicked. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to... The plants are, too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Who did you think it taken her? Did you think it was your ex-husband? Oh, absolutely. Right away, That's I thought it was the first thought him. that came to mm -hmm. our mind. Uh, and we had called Not the police Not that she that was point. harmed. Mm -hmm. Just that, you know, he had, he had custody of her. Mm -hmm. and, uh, had he was... wanted custody? Uh, well, we didn't have a custody uh, mm -hmm. battle in court, so no, but he, I think he wanted to see her. So you cooperated fully with the police investigation, not even having legal counsel in the beginning? For, right. for the first five days. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. We, uh, we, you know, they were in our house 24 hours a day. So at what point in the investigation did they start suspecting you, or did you suspect you were being suspected? When their questions were repetitive, and um, they asked us what we were doing that morning, um, who was the disciplinarian of Jacqueline or, or, or Davey, um, uh, did we fight, did we have marital problems, did, mm -hmm. you know, things of that nature, but they asked them over and over. And mm -hmm. what was our theory kept coming up? Did you, what, what's your theory about the window or, you know? Mm -hmm. Because weren't the jurors later taken to that window that we saw earlier and a lot of them felt obviously that no one could have got, made an entry through that small of a window space. And also not make an entry through that small of a window, window space and not disturb the towel rack beneath it. I think it's a towel rack more so than the size of the window. The size yes. of the window, obviously anyone could fit in it. But mm -hmm. There was a towel rack under it. The prosecution made a point that no one could get in without, without destroying it. Mm -hmm. um, of course, uh, we had a tape. I don't know if you have it, but we had a tape of a neighbor coming in that we videotaped, and he came through the window with the towel rack underneath the window without disturbing it. Uh, we never did. We, it wasn't allowed in court because we had made the tape, I suspect. But mm -hmm. 
So even though you have been vindicated, you still carry that? Do you still feel that? Well, I, you know, I accept that police, uh, for the most part, are not about to admit that they were wrong. I mean, look what they did. It, it, we're innocent, and, and we called the police for help. And that what they did, they came and threw us in jail. Mm -hmm. uh, they took our son from us. They ruined our lives. It was like a double jeopardy for us. Uh, after doing all that, they wouldn't, they would never admit that they made a mistake because th th they'd be admitting to a crime almost. Well, I said to you guys, is there, we say, you know, you, people throw terms around loosely, oh, it's my worst nightmare, I can't imagine anything worse than that, but, I mean, honestly, is there anything worse than being accused of murdering your own daughter? Besides losing your own daughter, I don't <laughs> think there's nothing, nothing worse in this world than losing your own child. Mm -hmm. She was only seven, she didn't, she deserved to live. Mm -hmm. uh, but being accused of, of, you couldn't be accu accused of a worse crime, no. Okay, let's talk about the events that led to your arrest. The investigators are in your house after five days. You sense that their questions are changing in a way that you have now become suspect. When were you arrested? I was arrested on November 22nd mm -hmm. of um, 88, I believe. Tell us what it feels like when the questions start turning on you and you're, you're in the midst of grieving your daughter. Yeah, you know, to begin with, uh, you know, we're, we're, before we were grieving our daughter while she was missing, the only thoughts on our mind were, Jesus, where is our daughter? What's going on? What's she thinking right now? Is she crying? Is she looking for us? And the police are asking us, well, did you take a shower last night? And what time? And if you don't get the time right, um, and if Cindy says, well, he took a shower at 10, and I say I did at 9.30, it's used against us in court. Mm -hmm. And times were used against us because we were anywhere from 15 to a half hour off on our times. But, you know, our, our problem was we couldn't think about the questions that were asked to us while we were thinking about his Jacqueline. Mm -hmm. And then as time went on, um, you know, we never even got to grieve for our daughter. I, for example, uh, the day my daughter was found, I was under a third-degree interrogation by the police, at which point they told me they were convinced they knew where my daughter was. Uh, I think the entire Chicagoland area knew about Jacqueline's death at 5, 5.30 on the news. Mm -hmm. I didn't know until 8.30. You know, they wouldn't tell me until I insisted on going home. So I lost all trust in the police at that point, and we, we got an attorney. Actually, we didn't. Our family did for us. So, you know, we were distraught over, over Jacqueline, and, and uh, we didn't want to be bothered. We didn't, definitely didn't want to go into a third-degree interrogation. And, of course, the police used that against us in the media immediately, saying that we were not cooperating with the police, and what parents, what innocent parents would not cooperate with the police. What, what role do you think the media played in you going, being sentenced? I think they played a very important role from the beginning in, in the fact that it was such a highly publicized case, the police felt pressure from yeah. the public and this from the media. This was a big, big, big case in Chicago. So I, I feel the police felt the pressure from all sides, basically from the media, uh, that they had to make an arrest. And uh, after that, I feel that uh, you know any possible jurors out there had to be poisoned by uh, the media blitz that was going on. There, there couldn't have possibly been a juror that didn't hear about our story. And unfortunately for us, most of the stories were negative because we weren't talking to the media under, you know, under what our, our lawyers had advised us. Had not you to. wanted to speak to the media, and do you think things would have gone better for you if you had? Well, it's, we wanted to, mm -hmm. um, but then we were skeptical because uh, we saw a lot of mistakes the media was making, and we saw how, you know, the other side of the media, how you know, you really shouldn't believe everything you see on the news, and that's what I feel now. For sure. Yeah, uh, it's hard to go back in hindsight. But I, I, I could honestly say that if, if we did talk to the media before the arrest, it could have made a difference. But what we would have been doing, in essence, we would have been trying our case in, in the media instead of in the courtroom. So you lost custody of your son before you were taken into custody? No, actually, the day we were arrested, our son was taken mm -hmm. to, um, through DCFS. And you both were arrested. And what was that like? Well, they, they, um, 
woke us uh, up, what happened was um, David went to work that morning and um, he was arrested around the corner from our house and I was at home sleeping and Davy was sleeping and my mother-in-law was home and she was sleeping at that time it was early in the morning about 6.30 and what they did was when they brought arrested David um, a uh, female from the police station called David's boss at work and she impersonated being me she said hello Ron this is Cindy David's gonna be a little bit late He's running late this morning. Mm. So what happened was Ron called me at about 7, 7.15 and woke me up and he said, he said, Cindy, you know, where's David? Uh, we have, you know, we're waiting for him here at the shop. And um, I said, well, Ron, he went to work. He's not here. He says, well, didn't you just call me? And I said, no, Ron, I didn't. So I thought he had been kidnapped, mm. you know, or, or just you know, hurt something, or had, something happened. had happened to mm -hmm. him now. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what, what it was, was it was a plan from a ploy from the uh, police to uh, get David in, uh, in, in, in custody and talk with him separately. From you? From me. Mm -hmm. And then what they did was then, then I called my attorney right away after I hung up with Ron. And the next thing we knew, the police were at our door. At my, at my house, and they were there to arrest me. And what does that feel like? Well, it, it was horrible. Um, I was, I just remember, all I can remember from that is, um, I was on the, the my mother-in-law let them in, and um, I, was, I was still on the phone with um, the lawyer, and I was just shaking the phone, and I was trembling, and he said, don't say anything, and just go with them and we'll be there in 20 minutes. What did they say to you? You're under arrest for the murder of your daughter? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I bet those are hard words to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. In a way, we expected it because our attorneys tried to prepare us for it, but I don't think there's any way you can no ever way. prepare yourself to be arrested for a crime like that. Um, so we, you know, while he prepared us for it, on one hand, uh, we really weren't prepared, and we really weren't expecting it to happen. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. David DeWallaby spent 18 months in prison, having been convicted of that murder. Obviously, he was released. We'll find out how that happened. But when you're standing before the, I mean, I'm sure that when you went through the trial, let's get to the trial, the jury comes back. Did you think that they were going to find you innocent? If, if you try to put yourself in my shoes, uh, you try to read their faces desperately, because you can't wait another second. Um, what I saw was tired-looking faces, and they didn't look very happy, and that kind of scared me, but it's impossible to read, mm -hmm. read into it. I tried to read the judge's face, because he read it before he read it out loud. Mm -hmm. uh, when it was read, I, think I just went into shock. I don't really remember much after that. When I heard guilty, I, I just I couldn't believe it. You know, with the evidence that, that was in court, I was convinced that there's no way I could be convicted. I was even shocked that it went to trial to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a shock. And also because the charges against Cynthia had been dropped. Did you feel that well, that, that was a good me. sign? Mm -hmm. oh, I, yeah, that was several days, a couple days, I should say, before I was convicted. C Cindy's charges were dropped. 
and I was extremely happy because, you know, I could handle going to prison if I have to, but to see my wife in prison would have just torn me up. I, I don't know if I could have dealt with it. So mm -hmm. that relieved, it took a lot of pressure off me. And so, as I recall, you said, oh, my God, no. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't say that. Somebody mm -hmm. else did. Mm -hmm. I didn't say anything. I don't think. You know, mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I, you kind of go into a shock at a point like that, but I heard a lot of um, emotional screaming out from the, you know, from the audience out mm -hmm. there. And, uh, in fact, the judge had told them, everyone, to be quiet and not to uh, shout out any anymore. Not have any emotion at the... Yeah. But inside, I'm certainly was screaming that. Uh, mm -hmm. I was looking at the jurors with... I remember shaking my head like, how, how can you do this? I mean, mm -hmm. were you awake during this trial? What went on in, in the deliberation room that I didn't see or that none of us saw here? So. Well, you know, I, we spoke to one of the jurors. No, uh, none of them wanted to be on today. And they said, the one we spoke to said, it was difficult to get, it's difficult to get 12 people to agree to anything, even to agree that the sky is blue, this particular juror had said, and that they all sat in a room and all had decided that you were indeed guilty. And this juror we had spoken to had said that, that this whole trial has left a very bitter taste in their mouth as a result of what has happened, you now being released. Does any of that concern you at all? Well, I believe in our appellate system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily believe in our jury system, and you can't blame me. Uh, I think 12 people, I don't blame the jurors, and I'm not bitter at them because... You're you know, not? I, no, I think that they were persuaded by the prosecutors and by the police, and they were misled. Uh, they were misled to believe that the evidence before them was evidence, and it wasn't. And, and, uh, what do you think that was the evidence that put you behind bars at the time? Well, Cindy was um, released. The dust on the window seal? No, I don't think so. I think it was um, an eyewitness or a nose witness, I should say, a witness mm. who claimed to have seen my nose structure. And in fact, he didn't say he saw my nose structure. He said he saw a nose structure. And when he looked at um, a p five pictures of five different people, I was one of them, uh -huh. uh, he said that my nose was most similar to the nose structure he saw. Keep in mind, this was 75 yards away at night. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, and they but, later took the jurors there, did they not, and tried they to reconstruct the they scene? Did. and and couldn't even identify a dumpster 75 no, yards away. I have to believe that that was the only difference because uh, the judge had allowed Cindy's case to, to be thrown out and he kept mine and that was the only difference between the evidence between Cindy's case and my case. What was that first night behind bars like? The first night behind bars, I, I didn't get, pro I think I went in at three in the afternoon. Finally at 11.30, I went through this big process. Um, what it was, a lot of inmates were screaming at me because they knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't positive screams at all. Uh, so it was kind of scary, you know, not knowing where I'm going and, and uh, you know, everything that you hear about prison, it, it, what it's like inside there, it scares you. You know, mm -hmm. it scared me. Um, but, you know, I was very depressed. I, I think I cried through the night. And, uh, what they, were you doing, Cindy? Well, I had a similar experience when um, I had a green jacket with me, and that apparently set off um, um, something to notice um, because when I was, um, they were, bringing me to a cell, I vividly remember this, um, people that were locked up in their cell block were reaching their arms out at me, and I was from each side, and I was about, it seemed like I was an inch or two away from their hands. Mm -hmm. it was, it, 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 like they were clawing, just trying to get a hold of me, calling me uh, baby killer and all kinds of names. And uh, So what they had to end up finally doing, I, I stopped put my hand on the guard's shoulder and I said, you've got to get me out of here. I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm not safe. And uh, what happened was she said, there's nothing I can do for you. And um, she put me in a cell and, the, but then within 15 minutes later, they had come back and then, then they put me in isolation where I was safe. Mm -hmm.
away from general So 18 topic. months behind bars, what did you think about? What did you do? Well, when I, see, there was two, when I was arrested, I spent three weeks in prison. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I spent 18 months later. But from the arrest point of view to the, when after I was convicted, it was a complete turnaround as far as the inmates went. All of a sudden, the inmates were my friends, and they all, they were all patting me on the back, offering me cookies. Uh, it was because they all watched the trial on TV. I guess nobody knows mm -hmm. the law like inmates, so they follow it. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, they were all on my side. So it was kind of ironic that it went from one extreme to the other. Before the trial, I was considered guilty. And mm -hmm. after the trial, after I was convicted, I was considered innocent as far as being in prison. Uh -huh. By the inmates. And probably by a lot of the public, too, who, anyone who followed the case. But being behind the bars uh, of a prison are terrible, especially maximum security prison. Uh, it's like our world you know, turned upside down. Well, it's, I'm wondering if all through this, you, because uh, you've been vindicated, where is there time to think about who really killed your daughter? Were you still thinking about that? Were you thinking about it? All, all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but what we missed was our grieving. Our bereavement was stopped. It, we, we were... Um, you did have a service. Yes. Mm -hmm. We had cameras in our... sticking and through the windows of our car. They followed us walking. Um, they even had me on tape when I stumbled uh, down the stairs. They, they, they just, they, they followed us to the uh, cemetery and... Um, it was pretty clear the police were accusing us through the media uh, immediately after our daughter had been found and, and even after she was buried. I think two days after that, uh, the police came in with a search warrant and searched our house. And so the whole time we're thinking, Jesus, I mean, we're going to be arrested. Our son could be taken from us. And where do you find time? You don't. You, we didn't find time to actually grieve for Jacqueline. Right. It wasn't until years later when we can actually concentrate on anything else but our lives and our children. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Just a year ago in February, my next guest experienced a similar situation as the Wallabies. This is their story. On February 19, 1992, Terry Lass left six-day-old Shane Alex in her car outside this Norwalk post office while she went in to buy stamps. Though Terry claims she was gone for only a minute, her baby was gone when she returned. Terry called her husband, Mark, who then made this call to 911. 911, what is your emergency? Yes, this is Mark Rath. Uh, my wife was just in at the Norwalk Post Office, walked inside. Our week-old boy was just taken out of the car. At yeah. the Norwalk Post Office? Norwalk Post Office. Can you give me a vehicle description? What direction of travel did it go? No, the car's still there. They just took the boy. The news kicked off an all-out search for baby Shane. Baby Blue Ribbons became a symbol of hope of his safe return. Hope ran out at the following afternoon when Shane's lifeless body was found in a ditch eight miles away from the post office. An autopsy revealed the baby died from a head injury, and investigators began looking closer to home. The day after the funeral for Shane Lass, his mother was charged with his murder. Been murder in the first degree. This alleged to have occurred on the 19th of February. On March 24th, the Lee County jury delivered its verdict. Before we, the jury, find the defendant, Terry Lynn Last, not guilty, is that your... 
Is that your verdict? So say you all. Does any party desire a pulling of the jury? Very well. I, we just, everyone expected her to be guilty. What she did, it was, her story wasn't, wasn't believable at all. I didn't, I um, didn't think that they'd find her guilty. I really didn't. From watching it on the news and stuff, I just, I don't think that they had enough evidence. Well, today marks the first national interview for Terry Last. Terry is joined by her husband, Mark. Do you relate it all to the Dewalabi story? Yeah, in, cer in certain instances. Yeah. Had you heard of the Dewalabis? Did you know? Um, I believe I saw them on um, another uh -huh. television program. Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries, maybe. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so when you had been arrested for the murder of your, of your baby, your baby boy, did you feel some of the same things that uh, Cynthia and David have described here? I think so. Um, I guess we didn't. Until the day I was arrested, I don't think I realized that I was a suspect. Um, and looking back now, I mean, we were at, I was asked, you know, if the, if, um, the child was my husband's. And uh, that was asked over and over again, mm -hmm. right from the beginning. And your child was only a week old? Right, six days. Okay. Tell us about the day your baby disappeared. Um... I just, uh, my mother-in-law was staying with us, and uh, I got up that morning, and the main reason I was going to town was uh, Shane had, was, uh, from being circumcised, I was out of gauze pad, so I was going to the pharmacy also, and uh, my first stop was the post office, and... Um, got out of the car? Right. Left the door unlocked? Right. Left the car running. Left the car running. it was cold out. Mm-hmm went in and uh, I was going to buy a book of stamps, but um, the inner post office was locked, so I bought some out of the machine instead. And, How long uh, were you in the post office? I don't know for sure. I mean, a figure of speech to say less than a minute, but mm -hmm. um, I wasn't in there very long. Mm -hmm. You came back to the car and noticed immediately your baby was gone? Um, I got in the car and uh, looked over and um, the main thing I saw was that there was no blankets there. That was, the, that was the first thing that I saw. And what did you think? I guess um, um, my first thought was just uh, that he had come back and fulfilled what he said he would do. He being? Um, I was assaulted in October. Mm -hmm. and, um, By a stranger? Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, he had told me that if um, I went to the police, he would come back and hurt one of my children. So you thought it was the person who had assaulted you? Right. Yes. Have they found the person who murdered your baby? No. Earlier, we heard the story of the Dewalabies ordeal. We've also been joined by Terry Lass, who was arraigned uh, for murder after her six-day-old baby was abducted and found dead in a ditch. We want to know what that does to the marriage. You all are obviously, both of you couples stay together, but what, is it, what did it do to the marriage? Were there times, for instance, Cynthia, when you doubted David? I guess for a fleeting moment, I doubted everybody 
um, who I knew. But just, you know, not, nothing that stuck, would stay with me because um, I know my husband and I know, you know, there's just no way that he could ever hurt his kids. Yeah, I, I think that um, if anything, it's made our marriage stronger. Because we both knew that each other was innocent. We knew what we were up against and the accusations and everything. And uh, it pulled us together and just brought us together even more. So when you walk down the street now, uh, David, and everybody, are you still in the same neighborhood? Are you still? No, we've moved. You moved? Yeah, we've moved out of the county, but still close enough to where we could visit friends and family. Uh-huh. I, I mean, nobody notices us, if that's what you're getting at. I, uh -huh. that, I, that I know. Uh -huh. um, if we were still in the same neighborhood, it'd be no problem because most of the neighbors there had, had supported us. Yes. I wanted to talk to somebody from the Freedom King. You meet me down here halfway. And so, when, tell us how you ended up being released, David. Well, while I was in prison, I, I, everything led up, one thing led to another. Uh, we heard the pellet decision, I heard it over the phone, and then over the radio, I found out that I was going to be released. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. so. What has it done to your marriage, Mark? Were there, was there a time when you doubted her? Well, probably um, when we were in at the DCI headquarters the day Terry was arrested, they kept us separated. And when they told me that she was being arrested, I probably doubted it just for a brief second, and then they asked me if I wanted to see her. I said, yes. I went in there, point blank, asked her if she had done it. And she looked me right in the eye and said, no. So I knew she didn't do it. And that mm -hmm. was the end of my doubt. Mm -hmm. What has it done to your marriage? It's probably made it stronger. Mm -hmm. it's, we've had some rough times, um, things that we couldn't talk about due to the trial. Since I, was going, since I was a potential witness, we couldn't discuss the case. So you had to discuss everything else. Other than the case? Other than the case. Has your life seemed to, to put itself back together? It seemed to have. Um, but it's hard because we're still stigmatized from it, mm -hmm. um, from what happened to us. Do you feel stigmatized still, too? Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for sharing your story. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.